they should have gone earlier. They should have gone for the undercut, take Norris and and go aggressive. I, I know you might think differently, but that's what I think. The F1 paddock swapped the extreme heat of Qatar for the extreme crowds of the Circuit of the Americas this weekend for the second Grand Prix held in the US this season. We're here to talk you through a weekend of upgrades, disqualification drama and shaky strategy calls for the F1 operation, as well as a small segment about Mercedes' involvement in the F1 Academy series. I'm Balf Baines and welcome to the Silver Arrows podcast. To help us do all of that, we have F1 journalists Adam Williams and Joe Collins, who is an F1 fan. Adam, how are you doing? What a race that was in Austin. What a race indeed. It was a weekend of highs and ultimately lows. But I think there are reasons that we can be optimistic as Mercedes fans. That's the word I was going for, optimistic. Uh, Joe, how are you? Yeah, good. Good. Uh, Great race, bit demoralised by the news. Uh, I made the mistake of staying up until the result came out, waited for ages, but uh, ultimately disappointed. But as Adam said, it was largely positive. It definitely was largely positive. Let's start chronologically as we always do. So FP1 on the Friday, the team brought their last significant upgrade of the season with a new floor, Adam. They did indeed. And it seemed to be quite good. Uh, as, as we found out throughout the weekend, but but practice was positive too. Um, and yeah, it allowed the drivers to have that feeling that they well, their rear wasn't going to go to go all loosey-goosey. They have confidence in the car and, and could give it direction, which is what you need uh, around the circuit of the Americas with those swooping S's at the beginning and, and kind of Mickey Mouse Hockenheim-esque section towards the end so yeah a, a, a good track to bring the the upgrades to but they didn't have much time to learn uh, about the upgrades either so yeah positives i think yeah no i, I definitely agree that it's uh, sort of a bit of a, a weakness of the sprint weekends that we don't get much time to see how the upgrades fare but the early signs were definitely um positive for the upgrade um particularly Lewis saying that he was really enjoying driving the car, which is good to see because I think the drivers have been complaining about the direction the car's been going in for quite some time. So to hear that they're actually enjoying driving the car, not just getting uh, good results from it, that's that's a real positive. Because because Lewis and George both had the upgrades and Lewis obviously enjoyed it more. Do you think that Mexico and Brazil are, are going to be critical for George Russell Joe and anyone else that wants to get involved about uh, in terms of, of whether Mercedes are directing the, the car towards Lewis or directing it towards both of them. Um, yeah, it's odd that George was really struggling compared to Lewis. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see um, whether it's just down to personal preference, whether it's down to the track personal preference. We know that um, Cota's been a historically really really strong track for lewis so that could be a factor um it would be very interesting to see what sort of um reaction we get in the next two races particularly brazil where george went so well last year so yeah definitely be interesting to see yeah it definitely will be interesting to see i think that's 
Cota has always been uh, an amazing stomping ground for Hamilton. So I think that was down to it. But I just wanted to touch on you said on something you said, Adam, before we started recording, and that was some comments from Adrian Newey. Yeah, good point. Uh, so I think there are many podcasts out there. Obviously, this is one of, if not the best F1 podcasts that you can listen to. So you've come to the right spot. However, there are others. And I think Eddie Jordan and David Coulthard have their own. It comes out on a Thursday or something. I can't remember what it's called. I, I get a bit tired of Eddie Jordan after a while, as good as he is. But he had been talking about how he'd spoken to Adrian Newey. And Adrian Newey, who we know to be quite a humble, intelligent man, thinks that the Red Bull, his Red Bull that he's designed, probably won't be caught within this generation of F1 rules, which is pretty concerning if you support, say, anyone other than Red Bull, not least Mercedes and, um, yeah, and, and you, you kind of fancy and Lewis grabbing back his eighth title at some point or George getting his first. He's already been here for 100 races now. We'll get onto that in a bit. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of concerning, isn't it, Joe, those kind of comments? Or, or are you optimistic? I think it's a really interesting one because we know Adrian Newey, what a fantastic designer he is, and he's not generally one to sort of talk trash, uh, unlike certain other members of uh, the Red Bull team. Um, but... Equally, I'm not sure the evidence quite points to that this season as good as Red Bull have been. McLaren have made huge, huge gains and Mercedes slowly inching their way there as well. Um, I think even if you just look at um, yesterday's race, there wasn't that much separating those top three teams. So to say that it won't be caught is quite an extreme statement. But Adrian Newey's as reliable source as any. I'm still optimistic, and so should you as, as a fan. I think we can be uh, optimistic as as fans with the new regs uh, coming in in, tw- in 2026 as opportunity to you know build a car. And from what the W14 did this season and uh, the, the the weekend just gone, I think we have got the opportunity to to be optimistic and you know hope and get back to to where we should be. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But sticking on the weekend in Austin, moving on to regular qualifying on Friday night here for us in the UK. Joe, George had his lap deleted. Yeah, um, been a bit of a talking point um, across the past few weekends. Um, Ultimately, it just comes down to him pushing a little bit too hard, which maybe comes down to him not being quite as comfortable in the car as Lewis is at the moment. Um, We saw he was just slightly off that pace. Um, But it's unfortunate, and we've seen it happen to a number of drivers. Including Max Verstappen. Of course, yeah. In the same session. If there's one driver that's feeling comfortable in their car and feels that it can go very fast, it's Max. So it's a, it's a very easy mistake to make. And yeah, you, you look at the support races, they're all clambering over the advertising on the side of the track and, and no track limit violations are being called out because they, they treat F1 drivers differently, right or wrongly. They, they, they should be held to a higher account and... I think ultimately it's a good thing that they've stamped down their authority and said, look, this is where the line is drawn. Don't take the mick. Let's go and and race within the white lines. The line has to be drawn somewhere, doesn't it? Um, It's better than sort of arbitrary calls as to whether someone's gone off the track. So I agree with it. As as annoying as it is, I agree with it. And Charlie Whiting was great at many things, but that's one of the things that was kind of oh was it whiting or was it more massy probably both of them they they kind of said certain corners will will watch the track limits on other corners it doesn't really matter you don't gain an advantage true as that may be at least they're being consistent yeah i think that's we we as f1 fans always ask for consistency um and then they give it to us and we complain but i just want to speak to you both about the format of of a sprint weekend. Adam, what's your thoughts? I'm getting the feeling that you actually quite like it. I like Fridays and I like Sundays in a sprint weekend. And don't get me wrong, I quite enjoy Saturdays too, but it kind of spoils the surprise on a Sunday because teams learn a bit too much. You want something happening on that Saturday and you, you almost think, do you change it by having a, the the top eight on the grid reversed? Do you change it with having completely different type of tyres to the ones in the race so you don't know how certain cars are going to fare? And I, I'm sure there are other ideas, but those are two off the top of my head. I feel like, yeah, Saturday kind of ruins the surprise. It's, it's like opening your, your, well, one or two of your presents on Christmas Eve then wrapping them back up so that no one knows that you've opened them and then going down and having to act a bit surprised to your family on Christmas. Oh, I had no idea that you bought me this glasses. Um, but sorry, that was just the, the random thing that I picked up on the side. I didn't get glasses for Christmas, but yeah, I, I, I think it can be finesse, but I like the idea that F1 are, doing something different, but also the thing that you can't argue with is viewer numbers are so much higher on sprint weekends over the weekend, so you're getting more people tuning in. Fridays are great, though, aren't they? You you finish work, you get home, 
for me, I naturally, you know, I love my pasta. So I had my pasta. I had my F1. I didn't need anything else, really. Maybe a Toblerone and a few more bucks in the bank. But you know what I mean. It was great. And Sunday wasn't ruined enormously. We knew who the top three were going to be, as I think you you said to me, Joe, on, on Saturday night. We know it's going to be Hamilton, Norris and Verstappen, but it was still a good race because it's a good track. I definitely agree with you that I do enjoy Friday night qualifying. It's, it's, a, it's a nice twist on it and you know you know me adam i'm the biggest f1 traditionalist about i hate changes to it i, lo- I love I, I like my format being fixed but i do enjoy the friday night qualifying um saturdays you know always just feel slightly pointless to me but they're good fun and but we as f1 fans still watch it yeah of course of course and they're good fun they're good fun and i think as you just mentioned the viewer numbers is you know, you can't argue with those if that's what other fans like. It's not, yeah, it's not even other fans because, like you, like we just said, <laughs> traditionalists like yourself will tune in mm-hmm. because you're interested. Of course. And new yeah. fans are excited because it's more racing. So, yeah, I think, I think if it was a tighter title battle, then we'd be more invested in the sprint race. Mm. It feels a little bit pointless, doesn't it? having Verstappen getting an extra eight points anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it feels a bit like that meme of someone pouring water on themselves in a swimming pool. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit overkill. but mm. I'd like to see the them mix up because we're on the, the sprint shootout. I'd like to see them mix that up a bit because it just feels a bit like a rerun of qualifying the night before. Yeah. So I would like to see them mix. If you know, if they are going to mix things up, I think that's an area that that could do to be looked at. The thing is, the the kind of format we have for qualifying is already good, so it yeah, kind of, of makes sense to to keep with that format. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. What What would you change about the sprint weekend to make it better? Would you do? A reverse grid completely. Um, teams aren't teams aren't going to want that. Like the top I, team, yeah, they, I but... find that question difficult because, as already mentioned, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I don't, I don't like gimmicks. You, you know, I've said to you a lot of times, I hate gimmicks in sport, and sort of mixing grids up and all that's never appealed to me. But you can't argue that it would make the weekend more exciting and give it more variation. So it's. I can see the argument. Maybe it's the different types of tyres then. Ima- imagine they, they'd brought out like these, I don't know, and some fans might not remember, but before we had simply soft, medium and hard tyres, there used to be a whole range which include, included ultra soft and, and, and super soft and, and, and Hyper so on. soft. Hyper soft, yeah, for Monaco. <laughs> imagine you, you'd said, right, go out on on a load of hypersofts and, and they're having to make like two stops during these sprint races it would be nuts yeah and no one would learn anything mm-hmm. to take into sunday other than yeah i think maybe that, that what would... they're going to do in the first corner yeah that would it solve just... the problem that we were talking it about that it is just a bit of a spoiler yeah it also means that people aren't saving tires for the sprint race however the only issue with that is it means that you might end up with pirelli uh, and it is going to continue being Pirelli because they've been announced as the new sponsors, haven't they? It got leaked. Um, so they had to announce it. That's 
we're going down a different rabbit hole. You'd have Pirelli taking too many tires to a race, mm. or more tires to a race, which is not great for the environment when F1 want to be net zero by 2030. So there's there's a solution in there that these are some of the most intelligent people in the world in F1. And I know we've gone on an existential kind of crisis management here rather than talking about Mercedes, so I'll stop. But, but yeah, we like a sprint weekend. We just need to finesse it a bit. Yeah, I can definitely see the, the positives of, of having the sprint weekend. The next one is in Brazil in two weeks' time. That's the sixth and last one of the 2023 season. But in terms of the Austin sprint shootout, the F1 Academy had their had a support race to the uh, to the Formula One, didn't they, Adam? Yeah, first time that we had the F1 Academy broadcast live on TV rather than getting the highlights come through a few days later. What the point in that was, I don't know. If you want to highlight female racing drivers, slap them in front of everyone live while 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 they're in the the mindset. I want to see racing. It's the weekend, not. Some YouTube highlights, uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But it was only the first season, so it's always going to get better. Um, and it's really exciting that ten of the fifteen drivers are going to be backed, uh, or at least have delivery of the F one teams. Um, the other five drivers will have major sponsors uh, sponsoring them. And it was good that Mercedes, obviously, they are going to have an allegiance with it because the managing director of uh, the F1 Academy is Susie Wolf, um, who is an incredible racing driver, um, team boss in Formula E, and other exploits of her own. But but she's also Total Wolf's wife, so she's naturally going to have spent a lot of time with the Mercedes personnel um, but what that meant is we had george russell presenting trophies to the the drivers on the podium and we had lewis hamilton in well, watching the race but in part firmly congratulating marta garcia on winning uh, the the maiden championship in the series existence marta's done brilliantly all year thoroughly deserved you could see that she was she drove a mature race to win that and 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 that's why she was champion. Um, she did it racing for the Prima team, but with the Mercedes badge on, on her chest, because I think Mercedes supplied the engines for them. She's not actually got a team affiliated with her um, at, at this moment. Do Mercedes back her? I know that she's, she's 22, 23. She, she's old for a young driver, but... Having spoken to her, uh, she wants to go on to F3 next year and then who knows F2 and, and F1. As we've seen with uh, other drivers, it doesn't have to be as young as Verstappen joining joining the grid. So who knows? Either way, um, I think it's a good thing that we're seeing F1 Academy getting involved. It's a good thing that big sponsors are going to get involved as well. Tommy Hilfiger himself was watching the race. I don't know if he'll be a sponsor, but it's good that, that they're raising awareness of that. And hopefully we'll get a, a female racing and, and an F1 car soon. I know that we had uh, Aston Martin test with, what's her name? I've forgotten. I could picture her. 
Jess, Jess. Hawkins. Jess Hawkins, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's great. And and who knows what, what Marta will go on to, but I kind of hope that, that she's with Mercedes. I know that Lewis Hamilton was her hero growing up, and the fact that Lewis went over to the F1 Academy paddock on Friday to, to say hello to everyone, he gets it. But uh, being someone of minority in a sport dominated by by white males, so yeah, I, I think it's it's good that Mercedes and Lewis are continuing to do those things to to make motorsport more diverse. And if you are out there and 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 you're a female, don't feel like you can't do it. Don't feel like you have to be a driver either. There's so many different amazing jobs within the motorsport industry, and you can do it. So yeah. If that's what you want to do, do it. I think the key here is sort of the visibility of of these yes. series. That's you know what's been missing. Um, so it's great that it's been given more of a slot, and it's great to see the Mercedes drivers being the first to sort of properly give it the support and get get more visibility for the series. It's also going to be on on the F one bill for all of its races next season yeah. as well, which is going to give it visibility definitely going in the in the right direction and the Hamilton commission that uh, Lewis set up is also obviously a, a massive massive part of that so it's always uh, great to see but in terms of the sprint race that we had Joe I, w- I was watching it on Saturday night here in the UK and I didn't know if I was tired or if the race was boring I think it was probably more than it was boring it was a little bit later than normal perhaps tiredness creeping into it but Ultimately, after the first sort of three or four laps, the cars really did start to just, you know, form gaps. There was, I think there was, by the last lap, there was only one car within DRS range of another. Um, so it was definitely a more of a spread field. Um, I think we've been very lucky with sprint races so far this year in that they've had sort of freaky circumstances around them with weather or the what happened in Qatar with the tyres that made them very exciting. Fortunately, uh, unfortunately, this didn't really have any of that. And yeah, it, it just served as sort of 19 laps of cars just driving around, unfortunately, in a bit of a procession. Nice move from Lewis on turn one, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, L- Lewis did a fantastic job throughout the race. Um and I know Verstappen drove in, off into the distance, but equally Lewis pulled away from every car other than Verstappen by nine, ten seconds, which was really encouraging. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I just I didn't know if I was tired, tired or not. But <laughs> I was just watching uh, the cars going round and round. <laughs> It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sunday, more the made up for the, the boringness, if that is even a word, of Saturday night. Uh, Joe, how did the Mercedes boys do? Um, well, Lewis... Um, Got a bit of a weak start. Yeah, I just I just know the answer and I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Lewis got a bit of a weak start. Um, unfortunately, ended up in fourth. And I do think a, a good start could have seen him pull a bit of a gap almost, given what we saw in the sprint race, about how the Mercedes had better race pace than the Ferrari starting ahead. Um, and ov- obviously, as soon as Max Verstappen got a good start, you knew that the predictable was uh, going to happen. But really, really positive race pace, I thought, from Lewis holding on to Verstappen. Um, and then the the strategy came into it, which, you know, I think that's up for debate about whether Mercedes did the right or the wrong thing. What would have happened if the strategy was different? They should have gone earlier. They should have gone for the undercut take... Mm. Norris and and go aggressive. See, I, I know you might think differently, but that's it, what I think. In hindsight, I possibly agree with you. However, I know I sent you a text in the race saying that was a good decision from Mercedes, and that was my my initial reaction was that it was good to stay out, um, and that was because in my head the only shot Lewis had at the the win for this race was having fresher tires at the end of the race or doing a one-stop. Um, you know, we, we've not seen the Red Bull be beat on pure pace many times this season, if, you know, just, just the one right. time. Yeah. Um, and that was a bit of a fluke. So at the time, I thought it was a good decision. Now, obviously, Lewis's tyres did go off, and it proved that he maybe gave himself a bit too much to do. Was it the right decision to have those fresher tyres at the end? Or do you think the track position was more important? I think, yeah, I think that having the the hard tyres in, in the middle stint, mm-hmm. he could have gone early, got the track position to, to hold them back, and yeah. then pitted later like he did anyway. So have a really long middle stint, yeah. and then chase them back at the end with the fresher rubber. But, but that way he would have been the leading car, so perhaps mm-hmm. able to hold them up a bit more so that they he didn't have so much work, work to do. But ultimately, I think it's interesting that they weren't so aggressive with, with their strategy, given that Total Wolf was back. In the last two races, you could maybe understand it. That they, they're just trying to, to make sure that they don't have it blow up in their faces while, while the boss isn't there. But... I don't know. Sometimes I feel like Total Wolf is quite conservative uh, when it comes to, to his input on strategy. I know that he's not the strategist, but maybe he likes to wait and, and see how things are. I remember seeing, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the video of behind the scenes during Spain 2021, where 
Hamilton did. Yeah, the masterclass, exactly. And Toto was like, no, let's let's see how it is. But then they mm. were like, no, Toto, we're going to go now. But that was James Vowles, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was talking well, about James Vowles, there's a question from Twitter uh, from Noko. And Joe, do you think poor strategy and low pit stops are related to the departure of James Vowles? Who's obviously the team principal over at Williams now. I certainly think, you know, ch- changing your chief of strategy is going to have an impact on these kind of things um whether mercedes have sort of become more more risk averse i don't know um it's it's normally been george who's been quite out there and wacky with his strategies this season um so whether that's the drivers having more input on the strategy now um yeah i'm it's hard it's hard to tell is is my answer to that um i don't know what you think adam yeah, I agree. It is hard to tell. Um, he he will be the first to admit that they they use a lot of computers nowadays anyway. But mm-hmm. but James is very good with people, very trustworthy, and he was always the one that that came on the radio and and said, "Look, I am the one accountable here, Lewis. We believe that you can do this." And and maybe Lewis lacks that that accountable person that he knows and trusts because the the person in charge of strategy i don't know who it is maybe they're they're not as tenured so they're not as comfortable going on the radio or it's not their style but it did feel like lewis was coming on the radio quite a lot this race Mm. saying are you sure It, it feels like this is the wrong thing to do whereas if you'd have someone toto or james ask saying look we believe that this is the right thing you can do it, Lewis. And I know Bono's very good at that, but Bono can only go so far. Sometimes it needs an external person uh, from that relationship. Um, I, I don't know. So, I, yeah, it, like you say, it's really hard to judge. But but James Valentin had outgrown his position. We're seeing in Williams how, how much he's deserving of, of that role as team principal. But, of course, him leaving Mercedes to do that will weaken the, the team to a certain extent anyway that it's a loss but in terms of the the loss itself in the race let's assume that lewis isn't disqualified in that happy world that, that we went to sleep in um, <laughs> exchange i think mercedes and lewis can probably point to themselves as reasons that they didn't win that race not yeah. just because of the, the poor strategy, as much as we may or may not agree, and, and fans do feel free to comment and, and let us know what you think. But you're right, the poor start, having to overtake both Ferraris, just, yeah, that, that was not great uh, because it, it used up valuable time and would have worn down the tyres more than Lewis and Mercedes would have wanted. So... Perhaps they could have extended that initial stint and, and done the one-stop. Who knows? I think it was interesting that a lot of the drivers on the clean side had poorer starts than those on the dirty side. The dirty side is the inside line in the US Grand Prix. And we've seen, I think, the past five races now mm. since Kimi Raikkonen in 2018. Yeah. The person starting second often takes the lead. Now, I know Lewis was starting third, but Carlos Sainz could do the same thing that, that Lando Norris did mm-hmm. on, on Leclerc. And 
and George had the same thing happen on him with Verstappen. It, it would have been nice if George could slow him down. It's not necessarily his fault. I'm not sure it's necessarily Lewis' fault. It's Lewis's fault. It's just part of the track. It's kind of a, a cool thing to have. Like you, you know that it's not slam dunk pole position leads uh, into the first corner, um, and and there is always a battle there. But it's something to note. Um, and then the slow pit stops. That was the other thing I had written down mm. because it, it, it was three point six. Yeah. Sort of seconds, wasn't it? I mean, you a think, second off what it yeah. should be. If you if you take half a second off both of those pit stops, that puts Lewis in DRS range on the final lap. Correct. And who who knows what happens there? So, I mean, you know, all ultimately a bit pointless. But there were so many little <laughs> yes. things. Well, there were so there were so many little things that just made this such a potential missed opportunity also lewis's lockup at the end of the first stint as well if that doesn't happen that's another two seconds seconds. or so so all these little things i think he came out the pits with a seven second gap i want to say to make up to norris and you know if you add these things up it looks more like three which is much more doable of course, this is a best-case scenario of course, and, and yeah. others would have difficulties and we know that Verstappen had braking difficulties mm-hmm. and we we also know that the Verstappen and Norris would have had a higher ride height than they'd have preferred just so that they, they could be legal. And, and that goes back to the sprint race, doesn't it? The fact that there was only one practice session and as a result, Mercedes probably didn't have the data to know or, or the opportunity to mm. to do anything about it if if they did know that the car was was fairly low um, and and susceptible to being below those nine millimeters. Let's rewind it back because the race finished. Lewis got P two. It went really really well. And then I went to bed. I was joyous. I was happy. I was content. And then I woke up on Monday morning. Adam, what happened between? The race finishing and me waking up with Lewis and also Ferrari's Charles Leclerc. At the end of the race, the FIA, um, they selected four cars to be uh, analysed in terms of how much of the plank below the car had been worn away. Uh, and, and they naturally chose the top four cars um, in, in Hamilton, Leclerc, Verstappen and Norris's cars. Now, the reason that they ensure that the car doesn't wear away more than nine millimeters of the plank is for safety reasons. Um, it was one of the steps that they did um, after the death of Ayrton Senna and Roland Ratzenberg um, back in the early 90s. So it's not something that's particularly new. It's three decades old, this rule. Uh, it's part of motorsport. Unfortunately, they they wouldn't have been able to test the cars while they were out on track or coming in uh, before the podium celebrations. It takes a while to to take the car apart and and do that measurement, especially when it's such a small measurement um, of well less than nine millimeters as we know now. Um, so yeah, there there are safety reasons why they only pick four cars. It's it's a little bit of a weird one because others might have got off scot 
three. Obviously, Red Bull and McLaren, in terms of Norris and Verstappen's cars, were fine. But there's nothing to say that George Russell's car and Carlos Sainz's car was legal. It's just it wasn't tested. So Mercedes fans can potentially take some solace from that, the fact that at least both cars weren't disqualified because if all cars had been tested, which takes a long time, I suspect that's one of the reasons that they don't do it, um, then it could have been both Mercedes and both Ferraris at the championship. Obviously, that would have meant fewer points dropped to Ferrari uh, in the championship, but there you go. Um, interestingly, they don't always check the, the plank at each race. It's just to each race just to add a bit more complication for example they did in singapore but they didn't in japan and qatar they just knew that there would be a danger of the the um the plank being worn away too much because it was a, it's a really bumpy track now what is it the 11th year of going to the circuit of the americas as great as, as a track as it is it is bumpy um but also sprint weekend, like we say, uh, no safety car at all in either the sprint or the, the Grand Prix. So there was no let off. Uh, it, it was full, full beans most of the way for 56 laps in the race. And then what was it in the sprint? Something like 18. Uh, lots of laps. 19 laps. And then you've got the qualifying and sprint shootout as well. So plenty of going hell for leather, uh, hitting the curves hard. And Lewis would have been doing that, especially to try and catch Verstappen towards the end. So, yeah, it's one of those. So do we think actually we're getting quite pleased about an illegal car? I think we, stu we still do get pleased about this illegal car being quite quickly because it was quick whilst it wasn't illegal as well. Um, I think there were a lot of reasons why... Um, yeah, the plant wore away and the fact that Ferrari ran into the same issues dis despite not upgrading their floor suggests that, that yeah, there were external reasons. I think I think the, the Ferrari having the same issues that and, you know, Mercedes being, especially on race pace, significantly quicker is reason to be positive. Um, because those... McLaren as well. Exactly. I'd, well, yeah. I'd argue they were quicker than McLaren. Mm -hmm. Do not. Yeah, but McLaren McLaren had a fully legal car, which so it's not <laughs> yes. it's not it's not directly comparable. Um, true, but we true. we know how close Mercedes and Ferrari have been all season, and for Ferrari to have the same issue and to be significantly slower on race pace is you know all signs positive to the upgrade working. Um, you know, I I don't know how much effect running the car lower has had, how much higher would have been safe. Um, but I, I'm i still optimistic about the upgrade. Yeah, I'd have to concur with that, Joe. I think the upgrade has been working, although uh, one of them wasn't fully, fully legal. But it, I think we're definitely going in the right direction. But Joe, do you think Mercedes understand the speed of the car and does the disqualification add an element of doubt to the W14? I think it adds a small element of doubt but I th I think probably it was quite representative of the pace. A slight element of doubt that we don't know, but the direct comparison with Ferrari 
yeah, I think all positive. Yeah, it is definitely all positive. Uh, Adam, we have a question from Twitter from Peter Cummins. If Mercedes did have more time to optimize the setup this weekend and potentially raise the ride height, do you think they would have impacted Lewis' performances relative to Max and Lando in the Red Bull and the McLaren? Hello, Peter. Um, I think, yes, marginally. But I also think that, as Joe has just been, been saying quite rightly, there are reasons to be positive about these upgrades. Um, I think that Lewis would have still been in the top three. Whether he would have been fighting with Norris or Max, I don't know where where he would step within those top three. But I still think, yeah, those upgrades were good. Lewis was good. In fact, he was the driver of the weekend. He, he was. I know Norris got the driver of the day, but Lando Norris is really popular. I'm not saying Lewis isn't, but Norris is really popular. Um, so yes, Peter, I think it would have been it would have been a similar story. I think you should still remain positive. I think we should still remain positive, I should say. Um, and hopefully Mexico and Brazil indicate that. The interesting thing will be whether George can pick up the pace a bit with these upgrades because he was particularly struggling. And I doubt he had a different or a much different ride height to Lewis because if Lewis was doing really well in, in practice, then they'd, they'd have gone his direction more likely than not. Let's talk about the next two races then that you mentioned, Adam, because we have another question from uh, Hornet Shane on Twitter. So as disappointing as Sunday was, how do you think will fare at the next two races, Joe? George recently said that the Mercedes will be in a quote-unquote good place for these races. Uh, do you agree, Joe? Yeah, um, I think Mexico is always quite difficult to predict. Um, with the with the thin air, the high altitude, you always get a bit of a strange one there. Um, but certainly, I, I'm very encouraged for Brazil. I think that that should be a real positive race. Um, it's a track that Mercedes went well at last year. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that also Brazil will be a better benchmark of where the car is because um, let's say Mexico is very difficult to predict. Let's hope for a good performance there. But honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. Hornet Shane, or Hornet. Um, I'm going to call you Hornet. Remember that the, the Mercedes still has relatively high drag compared to the other cars. So Joe mentions the high altitude, the thin air. Maybe that will benefit Mercedes going down the straight. The fact that they're not having to deal with... So we're... we're pushing through so much air. Um, I seem to remember they did well last year as well because of that reason. So maybe reasons to be positive for next race. There's always reasons to be positive, despite your car getting disqualified from second place. You're just a, a positive person, aren't you, Adam? And just to end the podcast, uh, a massive celebration with George Russell, Adam, celebrating his 100th Formula One race. Yes. Um, I I actually wrote an article about um, George and Lando and their 100th race. What do you reckon to this, though? Because this is why um, I kind of argued with the data. George versus Lando. Lando is very competitive uh, or consistent with his competitiveness. He's not been able, like George, to grab opportunities 
George, like Joe, Joe was saying earlier, he can go gung-ho with strategy and, and kind of do wacky things. He's really good at grabbing opportunities. If it wasn't for that puncher in Secure in 2020, he'd have grabbed that opportunity. He snatched the opportunity in, in Belgium 2021, getting it, was it second on the grid? It was, yeah. Yeah. And then Brazil last year, Mercedes only trying to get it a win, and he snatched it. Brilliant. But as we've seen this year, especially George is less consistent than Lando, I would argue. But yeah, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. It is an interesting one. Um, it's, a good, it's a good point that you make, I think. Um, I think George is an incredibly quick driver on his day, um, in particular over one lap. You know, we saw in the Williams, you know, got the nickname Mr. Saturday. And I think he's done a great job since he's come into Mercedes, particularly last year. This year he struggled, and I think it's the the first time in a fast car that he struggled. Um, so it's, I think maybe he's been sort of grasping at any opportunity that comes his way, trying to make things work with the strategy more than seizing opportunities. I see what you mean. Quick question, because I know that, that we've, I, that's probably me that's rambled on too long. But quick question, where would you position it, uh, George, in best drivers in F1 oh, right now? It's somewhere between four and six. Well, let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, look, you, you, can't, you can't argue with Lewis and Max. Like, they're, they're well clear. I wouldn't put him on Alonso's level. And then, so I think it's Leclerc, Norris, and Russell probably have that that sort of level to themselves. Piastri creeping into that level as well, I'd say. So Draw. yeah, so I'd say it's got it's between four and six, possibly seven. Um, yeah. yeah, that's. I can't give you a firm answer though. I refuse <laughs> to commit. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll be coming for you. <laughs> and what a way to end the podcast. Uh, Joe, Adam, thank you so much for joining us here on the Silver Arrows podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. And that's all we have time for this week. A massive thank you to Adam and Joe for joining us. Their social media handles are in the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Do remember to follow us on Twitter at MerckF1Pod and hit that follow button in your podcast app. If you're enjoying these episodes and feeling extra kind, drop us a review and share this episode with anybody who you think may enjoy it. We'll see you next week after Mexico. <laughs> <laughs>